You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1177 of the Lost on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Thursday afternoon. And today's podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with all of the props, odds, and lines that you could ever want and more than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Today's show will break down a very quiet deadline for the Atlanta Hawks on Thursday. The 2022 trade deadline in the NBA passed at 3 p.m. Eastern time, and the Hawks did absolutely nothing. In fact, no roster moves in the last four weeks for Atlanta since the Cam Reddish trade uh, actually happened in January, and that becomes the only deal, at least of significance, that the Hawks made throughout this season to shake up the roster. Um, we'll get into plenty of the TikTok on why this transpired, my thoughts on it, etc., but that is the headliner of this day. Uh, I was not terribly surprised by this, as we'll get into it in a second, but also I want to at least plug here at the very, very top of the episode, as you probably saw in the description, I'll be joined in a moment by Tyler Jones, good friend of the podcast, a fan favorite on this show, and Tyler always has interesting takes on what's going on in Hawksland. So that's coming up after this opening segment that I'll be do- I'm actually doing solo trying to get this podcast up as fast as possible because it's an afternoon show, kind of a weird day in Hawksland. But I'll say this, if you listened to the podcast earlier this week, and I'm, I know that not everybody did, so um, that goes without saying, but if you're a new listener, if you just missed that one, I did about 40 minutes on the Hawk situation on Monday evening into Tuesday. And by, you know, what, lots of takeaways from that, from that show. One of them, though, was that I was going to guess, if you made me choose, that the Hawks would not do anything before the deadline passed on Thursday. And people were surprised by that, I guess. Um, you know, the Hawks were definitely in the mix for lots of different players, you know, from Ben Simmons to TJ McCollum, Jeremy Grant, Derek White, Marcus Smart, Josh Hart, etc. There were names associated with the Hawks, but basically there was nothing in terms of actual, like, mainstream, public, national-level reporting from Tuesday morning until Thursday. There was not a single Hawks rumor, not a single Hawks murmur. Um, there was some stuff behind the scenes that I heard, like, rumblings of, but nothing major enough to report on or even, you know, pass along. Um, the closest thing that actually came to that was Mark Stein on Tuesday in his newsletter. Again, that was 48 hours ago, reported that the Hawks had tabled any John Collins trade talks for the offseason. And that was basically just confirmation of other stuff that's been out there. So basically, the Hawks somehow went the last three days before the deadline without a single even mainstream report on them actually being involved in anything. Now, I know they were making calls all day long. I know that they were not just sitting around, sitting on their hands, not doing anything for Travis Schlenk and company up front in the front office. But uh, not, nothing even got close in my mind, at least, at least what I've been told, what I've heard. Uh, of course, that's not always foolproof, and things could be uh, sort of leaking out in the coming days. But it seems like it was pretty uneventful, all things considered, for the Hawks for the deadline. Um, of course, there was buzz in the last you know month plus on Collins and Danilo Gallinari, Bogdan Bogdanovich. Those guys were prominently involved in some in some rumblings, even like people calling on Kevin Herter, etc. And basically, everyone except for Trey Young and Quick Capella, who cannot be traded, were. I would say available on some level, but you know even the guys that got traded before the deadline that the Hawks were interested in, Ben Simmons went for James Harden, and that was you know that's different, it's sort of a different animal than what the Hawks were offering. CJ McCollum went in a pretty interesting trade to New Orleans, but that's probably more than I would have given up for him if I was the Hawks. Jeremy Grant stayed put in Detroit, which is pretty interesting. Derek White went to Boston in a deal that you know the Hawks could have come close to matching. It was Richardson and Romeo Lankford in a first round pick. The Hawks could have offered Bogdanovich in a first, or maybe a little bit more than that for Derek White, but 
too much more than that would have been too much, and no guarantee that the Hawks didn't call Derek White. I'm sure they would have called on him, but you know, as I always say, it takes two teams, and it's not always the consensus. You know, these at the end of the day, it's it's the GMs and the owners making these deals, and they might have preferred something else. In that case, it could have been San Antonio just choosing the um, the, the offer from uh, from Boston, basically. So, oh, and the last one was the Goran Dragic stuff, as I talked about on that last podcast. The Dragic rumors kind of made sense because they wanted Gallinari, and that was the only way that was going to happen was a Dragic Gallinari swap. But he ended up t- he ended up getting traded for Thad Young to the Spurs, and the Spurs got a first round pick in that deal. But they also sent the Detroit second round pick, which is a top thirty three pick. It's pretty much a first round pick, uh, but not not quite. So all that all that said, like the Hawks could have done something. I'm sure they were active along the way. But even the deals that you know that some fans were at least like outraged by the Hawks didn't you know quote match or exceed. You know, there's always context important here. Like the Hawks could have done something. That's that's for sure. There were avenues to do that between Gallinari's expiring or we pseudo expiring contract, Bogdanovich they're gonna move on from him. They do have picks in the future to trade. They had that Charlotte pick coming from the Reddish trade, but this is still a team that has real depth and they don't have huge glaring weaknesses, is what I would say. The Hawks do have some shortcomings on the roster. You know, perimeter defense has been one all season long. Um, a number a legitimate number two shot grader is one, but those are the kind of things that are difficult to find in season, particularly the shot grading thing. And even on the perimeter defense front, that kind of requires trading somebody else out that's part of your team. So uh, I'm not surprised at the end of the day that, that nothing happened for Atlanta. We'll get into more of that with Tyler. But last thing on this front before I hand it over um, to the rest of the podcast is some notable stuff, some housekeeping things going into the offseason. The Hawks have a roster spot open right now. And if they want to get into the ballot market for somebody and like you know sign a veteran or sign a young guy to fill that spot, you know, there's there'll be some names potentially on the buyout market in the coming days, like Dragic could be released. Um, old pal Dennis Schroeder could be bought out by Houston, for instance. Like those are some interesting, at least kind of interesting guys in the backcourt. I'm not sure what the Hawks are going to be looking to do there, but they could get into the mix on the buyout market. Now it's always worth saying that they can't offer anything but a minimum. So if anybody else has more to offer, they would probably be beaten out on that instance. And also the Hawks have a pretty crowded situation there between Lou Williams and DeLon Wright, et cetera. They could also use that roster spot to convert or give a long-term contract to someone like Skylar Mays or Sharif Cooper if they wanted to. No guarantees that those guys want to do that, but that's an option for you. And also, they could just keep the spot open. They don't have to fill it. They do have the two two-way guys. Um, at the pre- at present, they have 16 guys under contract, so they don't have to really do much more to fill out the roster. But that's where we are. No, no trades between now and the offseason and pr- pretty much until the draft. Um, things do open up from there. Um, I did a ton of salary cap stuff on that last episode um, of the deadline primer, which, by the way, is still accurate because nothing's happened between now and then. But basically, the Hawks are right up against the luxury tax already for next season. Uh, if you just factor in, you know, either Gallinari being on the team or Trey Young making all NBA or both, they could waive Gallo and be under the tax pretty considerably, but then you only have eight guys under contract. If you do that, um, on the bright side, all of your key pieces are under contract for next season with the exception of Gallinari if they wanted to move on from him. But even then, um, all of Atlanta's top you know, seven or eight guys are under contract. The only guys who in the rotation right now that are not under contract for next year are DeLon Wright and Lou Williams. Um, Trey Young, John Collins, Clay Capella, Jack Kongwu, DeAndre Hunter, Kevin Herter, and Bogdan McDonough are all in place under contract for next year, plus Jalen Johnson as well, and then potentially the uh, the ability to match or do whatever they wanted to do with Skylar Mays and Sharif Cooper. So they have guys ar- around. There's not a ton of uncertainty as a result of that. Like it's not like this is a team that's going to be losing all of its players to free agency, but there is some more flexibility that happens in the offseason. Number one, roster constraints go down. Number two, they can trade everyone on the team except for Trey Young becomes trade trade eligible. Capella can be traded if they want to do that. I'm not saying they're going to have to do that, but obviously with the Kongwu on the team, 
um, there's a chance that they want to move on from Capella at some point in the near future. So there are options. You know, Gallinari's non-guarantee is interesting to evaluate. You have Bogdanovich, you have Herter going back to a non-poison pill, going to be going to be paid his normal amount now in terms of on the trade market. So lots of factors in play, and the Hawks can do some stuff that's pretty creative and you know either go all in or whatever they want to do in the offseason. But for now, this is the team. That's going to be, you know, at the end of the day, they can make, maybe sign somebody on the buyout market, but for the most part, that's not going to be a player that's going to be making a huge difference in terms of the life and times of this roster, barring injury, etc. So that's where we are at this point in time. The Hawks do return to the floor on Friday evening at San Antonio. Interesting stuff there because the Spurs made a bunch of trades. I'm not sure who's going to be available for that game as I record this on Thursday afternoon. But um, that's, again, the Hawks should be favored in, particularly with everybody available um, that could be available in that spot. So keep that in mind. And the Hawks are still in decent shape in terms of the standings. Obviously, they started out very slowly. And as a final thought here before I bring in Tyler, one of the reasons why the Hawks might have stood pat in this instance is because they started so slowly. And, you know, it's tough to do a push in your chips move when you are below 500 after 54 games. Now, I think, and I I think I know, honestly, the Hawks are better than their record this year. I'm very confident about that, but they're still in the standings, number 10 in the Eastern Conference. And it's just tough to like go out and aggressively buy in the short term when you are in that spot and you can talk that up to the slow start and all that stuff. So we'll get into more of that stuff with Tyler, but that's all I have in terms of the solo portion of this podcast. Again, we'll have a new podcast after the game on Friday. So stay tuned for all that. Please subscribe and all that fun stuff. And after a quick break to hear from our sponsors on the show, we'll get into myself and Tyler Jones. But first, a word from BetOnline. BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, more odds, and more lines than ever before as football continues its march to the playoffs right to the big game. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, your podcasts, and your news this season. And it's not just football. BetOnline has ultimate info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, tennis, golf, auto racing, and much more in addition to live real-time updates of current games. Do not want to take advantage of this amazing offer and everything that's going on at BetOnline.net this season in 2022. BetOnline, where the game starts. I am joined now by a friend of the program, uh, by far my most off-requested guest, Tyler Jones is here. Hello, sir. How's it going, Brad? Uh, you catch the Pro Bowl? You see Kyle Pitts catch the touchdown? <laughs> no. Uh, I enjoyed Kyle Pitts' joke about how he finally scored in America on Twitter after the after the game, but that's all I got from the Pro Bowl. Didn't see much of that's that. That's also all I got. I don't. You know, I don't follow football as much as I used to, but that's basically all I got was everybody clowning him for not scoring a touchdown in America, apparently. I am proud of us for starting for starting there, though, uh, on the day where the Hawks didn't do anything at the trade line. So I, I was actually – I wasn't sure if you were around because uh, not that you don't do this sometimes, but you, you just didn't tweet like all day. And I was like, oh, Tyler, just I think maybe, maybe he's at work or what's going on. But uh, then I reached out to you and you were ready. So here we are at like 4 o'clock. Yeah, I'm just not on Twitter as much. Um, really, I just look at your mentions to see what's going on, and then I oh, close God. the app. Don't do that. Yeah, yeah, that's a bad idea. No, not not your mentions, but like what you see because like <laughs> okay. you're, you're informative, so like you keep me up to date because like I kind of kind of exit out, you know, from Twitter for a bit just because uh, the Hawks stink. What they don't, they don't, they don't, they don't stink, games? they don't stink. That's not true. Well, they stink to me, right? And I hate watching them play right now. Well, not hate is not a strong term, it's more like I'm filled with anger. I'm still filled, I'm still angry over how they, this season started <sighs> and just like the overall process of the team. Like, it just frustrates me because I mean, they're clear, like you said, Brad, they're, they're, they're a good basketball team now, I would say. 
even though they lost, you know, three of the last four games or so. But, you know, I they fixed their defense with, you know, finally having somebody to put some type of pressure on, on opposing ball handlers. But it's just – it might be a bit too little too late. Well, and that's – I'm glad you got into that because obviously before I, before I brought you in, I kind of mentioned this on the solo part of this podcast. But, like, I think one of the big reasons why they didn't do anything – and, you know, I'm, I'm always someone that says, like, trades are hard. Like, I know they might seem easy, but it takes two teams. It takes parties involved. Like, it's not always easy to make trades. But one of the reasons why they didn't do anything in my mind is, is because of the slow start. And, like, we agree. I think most Hawks fans agree. Not all, but most that they are better than this. Um, they've been better than this recently. Like even with the uh, weird sort of hiccup last week when they lost three out of four games since like MLK day, they're a top, you know, five, six, seven team in the league in terms of net rating and stuff. And like, I'm not sure they're that good anymore, but like they're still better than their record at the moment, but that doesn't change the fact that with 28 games to go, they're under 500 and in 10th place. And like people were talking about like, and I know we're high on the team in terms of what they can do, but the angry people in my mentions today were kind of like yelling about how, you know, they, they had to make a move to like imp- improve their title odds this year. And it's like, I'm not saying that they can't do that, but like when you're below 500, you're not looking at title odds for this year. Like I'm sure they'd like to win the title this year, but like that can't be your goal, uh, at least realistically. It's, it's everybody's goal, but like Nate's said this before, they want to be a top six seed. That's their goal right now. That's a practical goal. But like, it's just hard to look at it in the short term. I want to stress in the short term and be like, you know, what's our move this year to help us win the championship? It's more of like, if they had a move that fell in their lap or, you know, they, they make calls all day. I'm sure they did. And, and all week, it was just kind of quiet publicly. But if a move that they thought was going to help them short term and importantly, long term, they would have done it if it was available to them. And like, there's stuff that I would have thought about doing or trying to do. And they might've thought about trying to do the same thing, but I'm just not, I'm not frustrated by them not doing anything. Like the one thing that they had to do this year in my mind was rectify the camp situation. They traded cam that happened. It just happened to me a month ago. That's kind of, I know it's like a boring answer, but like they made the one deal that they were always going to make, they made it and they could have made another one and they just didn't. I mean, but that, you know, a couple things that, I mean, that just lies the frustration though. Like the, they let the cam situation like I hate to, you know, because I, I come on this podcast. I don't want to say, every, you know, the same stuff every time I'm on here. But it's like the numbers were so obvious that Cam Reddish was such a harmful basketball player to this team and that they didn't do anything like they just they just let it fester instead. Like they did. My, my, my overall take is like they didn't have to play him. Yeah, they didn't have to play him. Brad, if it. Your what nice guy comes into camp saying he wants to be traded after you you just had the greatest run in franchise history and, and you turn around and you're like all right we're gonna you know we're gonna work with you and we're gonna try to get the best deal available but like you know we're just gonna push your issues to the side but we're still gonna play you well it's it's, it's fascinating night. it's fascinating too because I'm not sure if I said this before. I'll, I'll say it now because I'm, I'm comfortably ahead of, away from the situation. I thought for a minute, and it wasn't like highly reported, there was a time during camp that there was some real like buzz about Ken getting traded. 
like before the season started, like there was a, there was a window of like a week or two. I think I might even told you off offline this was the case, and it was like they might trade Cam before the season starts, and I thought that might happen. Brad, we were all, we, I mean, people can go back on the pod. We were on the pod after the Grizzlies preseason game when I told you I was like, <laughs> "Yo, Cam is not happy. His body language is the worst I've ever seen it." I remember, like, do do, and, and he was also just breaking the offense all through preseason. And it was like, okay, this is a problem. And so we start to like the season four and nine to start the season. When you're like, that shouldn't have happened. But but remember how they were playing? Like it was a bunch of it was Cam Reddish just doing whatever he wanted, and then DeAndre Hunter ISOs. And it was like, what are we doing? We're not running the offense that got us to the champ, like to the conference finals. Like that completely. Like that bad start, that bad start set them up to a scenario where if something bad would have happened to this team, they might not be able to recover. And something bad did happen. They got COVID. Everybody was out for basically two weeks. They didn't know what their rotation was. And it's like that part plus that bad start kind of tanked their season. And that's why they're 10th. Like yep. they could be. Like right now, they they probably should be in the hunt for the one seed, considering the one seed is what? Only has 21 losses on the year or something like that. Like the East is wide open. Yeah, that really is the this irony is- of all this is that like I'm not sure they would be, you know, right there with Miami at 35 and 20 as we record this, but I think they probably should be in the four or five range right now, like which is where we thought they were gonna be before the season started. I mean, I, I know you I know you even thought even highly, even more highly of them, but like if they had just performed in the way that they are capable of performing to this point conservatively they'd be in the top five or six in the, in the East and maybe even higher than that. So like, yeah, it's a combination of the slow start and part, and it wasn't, I'm, I'm not saying it was all cam. I'm, I'm not saying that because it wasn't, they had other guys, they had other issues. The perimeter defense was a disaster beyond that. Like there's no. other stuff for sure, but that hurt them and the slow start. And then what you said, like they've also been unlucky on top of everything else. Their, yeah. their, their big losing stretch was pretty unlucky i mean they had they got the covid stuff hit them hard right after they changed the rules (laughs) to where like they didn't have postponements they didn't didn't get time to breathe they had to just go out there and take it every night for two weeks basically and the combination of all that stuff plus like some underperformance and you throw in a deandre hunter injury and now you're 500 with 25 games to go and that's that's where they are but but it wasn't just the fact that cameras playing is that they weren't playing their style of basketball like, remember how the season started? Like it was a bunch of mid-range jumpers from DeAndre Hunt. Like, oh yeah, we came on this. We came on this podcast, and I was yelling about their shot selection, which is crazy because and I, they're, and I, they're really good and at I offense. I said it was, and I was like, I'm not worried about it because, like, I was like, okay, this is like these guys going through growing pains, but it clear like they cleaned it up after DeAndre Hunter got got hurt. That was not a coincidence. And like the offense, the offense stabilized their season to where they are right now. But like the defense went, fell off a cliff. Like we, we can, we got all toss, top see the season all we want. They they still got twenty eight games to go. I mean, they still got a chance to get into the get out of the playing tournament. But like, I don't know, man. Like to me, I kind of hope they don't make the playoffs just because they don't deserve to make the playoffs. Like they, like this organization didn't take the regular season serious to me. Four and nine, like you can't start a season. You can't come into a season ex- thinking we're t- 
we could potentially win the title and start the year four and, four and nine. Like, four and nine, and you start that way when, when you got John Collins at, like, 17% usage after you sign him to a $25 million contract. Like, the $25 million a year contract. It's, like, it's the most asinine reasons for what they, they're for where they're at right now like it's just like if they would have just played their style of basketball they would have been fine during the early stretch of the year and they'd be they'd be they'd be where they'd be in the fourth fifth range with the chance to even move off from there even be better because it's not like they played their best basketball they still got i still think they got to know there's a tier to go to but it's but it might be you know it just might they might not like the biggest thing they needed was to have more games on the schedule like honestly, they, they need yeah. another player at this point. I mean, granted, I, I've been asking him, wondering why Wesley Windu hasn't been signed yet. You know, he could probably help. I uh, no, I I have a couple more things to ask you, uh, but before before we do that, I want to take a second to hear from our sponsors. We'll be right back with more with Tyler. Have you ever gone to a chain store looking for auto parts that fit your car? Is it maddening? Because it is for me. I know it has been in the past and it will be if I ever try that again. But frankly, I don't ever need to do that again because of rockauto.com. Rock Auto has been serving auto parts customers for 20 years at this point in time. And you could save time and money when you use Rock Auto. They have all kinds of auto parts that will fit your lifestyle, fit your preferences and the best part is you don't have to endure the pointless questioning from someone behind the counter who's only looking to sell you the one part or one kind of part that they have in their warehouse. RockAuto.com has everything you could possibly need from brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. And honestly, the prices are always reliably low for every customer and they really serve the do-it-yourselfer very, very effectively. You can go explore their website right now. It's very easy to use. You can find a solution to your auto parts needs in one place. Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck. And from there, you want to write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. All right, Tyler. Uh, you mentioned Wesley Wounded. That's, that's a funny one. But like, I guess... Just plainly, I'll just ask the question straight ahead. Are are you okay with them not doing anything? Were you are you in the frustrated camp? Because like it's mixed for sure. I think probably more fans that I've seen are frustrated to some degree with not doing anything, even if they're like kind of resigned to it being okay. There's some people that are just angry, which I, I guess I kind of understand it. But I mean, where, I guess where are you on specifically them not making a move today or the last couple of days? Well, I think the only basketball player that moved, the only couple ones that could have helped this team were like Derek White and Josh Richardson. That that were attainable for the Hawks. I, I don't think James Harden was in the cards. I don't think no. the, the Hawks had anything in that. Would like, and I also don't think the Hawks are interested in pairing Trey Young and James Harden together. So, well, as like, soon as, and by the way, as soon as uh, this is sort of, sort of a sidebar, but as soon as it became clear that Harden was actually available. Philly was going to just focus on Harden. Like the Simmons thing basically ended the second that Harden was available in terms of the Hawks and, oh, yeah. Hawks and Simmons. That was never happening as long as soon as, uh, as soon as Harden was available. And I, and again, the more like Maury was asked, it wasn't a real counter trade offer that Maury was off. Like, no, you know, it was, it was one it was of those absurd. where I'm a, I'm a up the price force you to be like, no, I'm not taking that deal because I'm holding on to Ben Simmons for a potential James Harden, which that's what he happened. found. He found his bag. Good he got there. Yeah. Congratulations to Daryl Moore for getting there, getting there at the end at the last hour. But yeah, I mean, that, that just wasn't a bit. I mean, the other, the other guys that were out there, like I said, the names earlier, I think, but like, you know, Jeremy Grant didn't get traded. That kind of surprised me, but not to the Hawks. Like that was never probably going to happen. Um, Actually, no, no, no. I will say Porzingis 
That was weird. Spencer Dinwiddie. Ooh, that was weird. Like, granted, I don't think the Hawks have anybody who's in the NFT, so <laughs> they just probably couldn't speak. They could, probably couldn't leverage that with Mark Cuban to get this trade done. But like, that's the other guy. I know. Maybe, but again, man, I know Hawks granted, fans don't like the if, Mavs. If, but ooh. I'll say this. I'll say. Hold on. Hold on. I'll say this. If the Hawks didn't sign Clint Capella to that contract extension. Maybe we could have done a Clint Capella for Porzingis trade. I think Maybe. both teams might have been interested I'm not, in that. I'm not, I'm, yeah, I'm not saying I'm not saying I would have done it, but I'm saying it would have been an option. And that's the thing. Like another thing, like the, signing Capella to that extension. And when they did it, that, that's the thing that I I probably I've probably been too lax and not saying this. And you know, I'm I am higher on Capella than most people are at this point. But they could have signed him to the extension two weeks earlier and he would have been eligible to be traded just for the record. They didn't have to do it when they did it. Uh, I'm not sure if that was intentional or what, but it was pretty interesting that like that deal was eligible and they did it later. (laughs) That's just, that goes to my point. It's bad, bad GM processing like that. Things like that can't happen, Brad. Cause like you took Clint Capella is one of your four good basketball players at the moment, maybe three and a half. Congo's kind of hit and miss. He's getting there, but like, yeah, but like you're, th- but he's the he's the one, Capella's like the only one who's like actually expendable. I know people think John Collins is expendable for some reason. I I don't know how you replace his production on both ends of the floor for this team. Like I, DeAndre Hunter's not good offensively. I, I there's there's no sugarcoat in that. Like he, he's not. Um. And so to expect, like, to trade John Collins for, like, I don't know what, Jeremy Grant? <laughs> like, I, like that. I guess that was the really only real deal between John Collins and whatever team wanted. But it's like, how does that make your team that, – that, one, that makes your team worse. Two, how do you replace his production, like, in his value and the fact that he's actually good? Like, if you're trying to add talent to the roster to make your roster better – you do what the Pelicans did with the CJ McCollum trade, where you trade a bunch of guys who aren't actually helping you win right now for a older player on a bad contract, but who's actually good. Like th- those are the type of, like if the Hawks wanted to make that type of deal, I don't think it was on the table for the Hawks. No. Um, I mean, CJ, but- CJ was like a guy they called on from my understanding, but the thing about CJ and we don't have to go down this rabbit hole is like, no one can tell you that CJ is a good fit with Trey in terms of like all of the upside stuff. He would have helped them. And that's the, that's the difficult conversation about guys like CJ um, and where the Hawks are like with the Pelicans, the Pelicans are not good. And like, he obviously helps them and, you know, they're trying to compete and do different things. The Hawks, I think have higher aspirations. Like McCollum would have made them better now, but also would have capped their ceiling. And I think they probably know that. Cause like you, you don't, he's not the guy you want to pair with Trey in the backcourt just for obvious defensive. And reasons. also, like the package that that the Pelicans gave up, like they didn't, like the Hawks would have been required to give up something of actual tangible value. Yeah, you would. I mean, if you, you know, it would it would have been like you know bogey plus and picks. It would have been you know and, either bo- and, and like and then you you make that deal. And it's like okay, CJ's better than bogey. Yeah, but like we still have the issues of perimeter defense. Like we that's, that's the kind of move that, that you do if you're panicking. And I'm glad they didn't do that move just because like 
again, I think CJ would have helped them this year in terms of raising their floor, but long-term you don't, if you're the Hawks, that deal does not make you closer to being a title contender in my mind. It makes you better now probably because he is better than bogey. And like, he's obviously a good effective secondary creator on offense. Like he'd be their best shot creator that they've had other than Trey on the perimeter. But like that doesn't adding CJ McCollum does not make you a title contender. And you know, there's a mixed bag there, but there's a whole, I don't know. There's this whole philosophical thing too, that I know we can probably get into if you want to like, should they've even been trying to buy for this season? Not saying that they should have sold, but there was this whole thing out there today that I even responded to at one point that was like, if they stand pat, they're not trying to win. And they're not, you know, it's like, no, like they didn't sell, but it's an understanding of like, look, this season's been kind of a bleep show and we don't want to mortgage the future to save it. It's not that they're and, and the thing is, they're still in fine position for this year. Like they're not where they should be, but if I had to guess, they're going to make the playoffs still, even with all the mess that's happened. And if the deal didn't help them for the future, it wasn't worth doing. Like there's also deals that could help them for both. Derek white would have helped them present and future. And that's the guy like, yeah, if you want to circle Derek white and say, look, they should outbid Boston for Derek white. You know, I, I get that. Like that's a reasonable guy, but like Marcus smart was the other one. And it was clear once that Boston traded for Derek white, they were not going to trade Marcus Smart. They're clearly going in for this year, not going out for this year. So I don't know. I mean, yeah, there's guys I would have liked, but there was not that very obvious missed opportunity for me where I'm like frustrated that the Hawks didn't go out and do something. People just like trades. <laughs> yeah. I mean, people like trades more than actual games at this. Like the, the transaction is what gets, you know, people invested in people going, but like. If they made, if they made the cam trade, if they made the cam trade today, would people have been frustrated that the Hawks didn't do anything at the deadline? Maybe some, I guess. But like, I wonder how. I wonder if people just wanted to have something to talk about. <laughs> not not all the way through. You know what I mean? Like, I, I I do wonder if that deal happens last week instead of a month ago. Whether it just feels different. And yeah, granted, um, there might be something to that where it's just like you know, Hawks didn't do anything, and it feels like we're, we're well, not. The, the crazy the crazy thing too is like you remember at the time Travis had that quote about how they're doing it a month early to try to spur something, and. Hawks fans were like, wait, they didn't even get anything. And it's like, uh, that quote was pretty transparent on what they wanted to spur. And it was to not have on the roster anymore, uh, which kind of worked, by the way. If you look at uh, where things break down, it wasn't all that. But uh, they, they did start playing better right after the trade happened. Um, I don't know, man. It's, I guess my ultimate reaction, you can give yours too, is like, I would have been okay if they did something. Um, as long as it was like a responsible, not like push all your chips in for only a rental kind of move. But I, I am certainly not bothered by them not doing anything in the way that some people are. I mean, here's the thing. I wouldn't have traded Trey Young, John Collins, Kevin Herter, and Yekka Kongu for, you know. Or Capella obviously like, can't be traded. So that's yeah, Capella can't be traded. Like, that, like I wouldn't have traded. No, and like, the guys that were available. Not, not, not to say untouchable, but like there was nobody available where I'm like, yeah, I'm going to mortgage, you know, Trey Young's untouchable, untouchable, but like, the other, you know what I mean when I'm saying when I'm like, well, hey, they, and there's, there's a reason trading, the guys I'm not trading Kevin Herter for Marcus Smart. I get that Marcus Smart is a better basketball player today. That doesn't mean he's going to be a better basketball player in the next two years, which I have Kevin Herter under contract for. Yeah, the like, only, the only I, I'm not, guy, I'm not doing that. well, plus Herter has the poison pill, there's complications there. And also, yeah, I think that there's a reason why every single trade rumor slash rumbling 
murmur, however, however you want to say that, with the exception of the Ben Simmons talks that happened, every other one that was tied to the Hawks had to do with either Bogdanovich or Gallinari. And it's because those guys are on are the contracts that the Hawks would be more open to moving. There are always tiers of guys who are available. Clearly, Trey is in a tier by himself. And then this year, they couldn't, it literally could not trade Capella. But I said this before, I'll say it again now. Collins, Akongwu, and Herder, and Hunter are in a different tier on the team. And I, 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 I almost feel you responding right now. I'm telling you, those four guys are in a tier above in terms of what the Hawks are valuing than Bogey and Gallinari. Bogey and Gallinari were the guys who were very available. Like everybody's available except for Trey, but there's the very available camp. And if they made a move today, I would have been stunned if it wasn't something around Bogey or something around Gallinari. Those were the guys that I think were like really out there. It makes sense too, because they're, they're the older guys. They're also contracts that are in that mid-tier. Gallo has the weird yeah, I mean, guarantee. I mean, the old guys, we can set those aside. Because like, it's not that interesting. Like To me, it's not an interesting conversation. Of course, you'd be open to moving. Well, Bogey's, Bogey's the one that's interesting. Just because Bogey, Bogey has, I mean, they went out and paid him a four-year you know, full-value deal. And, and he's a, um, he's also a good basketball player who's yeah. rounding into shape and like he's getting better, but like also he plays the same position as Kevin Herter, who you also just signed, you know, who is now the, who deal. is now the starter, who is younger. Uh, you know, yep. there was this a year ago. I certainly would have told you, Bogdanovich was better than Herter, and because Bogdanovich was great last year, I truly don't even know the answer right now because I'm not sure what Bogey even is. Like he's had a weird, he's had a very weird season, yeah. but I know one thing. I'd rather have Herder long term, like kind of without question. Give it when you break when you when you get when you get into the age stuff, even if you feel like Badamich is a better player right now, which I think is actually up for debate, Herder is younger and is cost controlled and on a good contract. So like one for one for one, I'm fine. Also, Herder's a better defender at this point, which was not a given at all a year and a half ago. But Herder's a better defender, like full stop, like very clearly at this stage. So it's interesting to me, like I don't know what they're gonna do in the future, which is we can probably touch on for a second. Like people are going to almost people want to fast forward into the season now. And I'm like, what's going to happen in the off season? What, uh, the first question is like, what happens the rest of this year? Cause I don't know the answer to that. Um, but clearly, you know, Capella becomes a guy who could be traded in the off season. I'm not telling you it's going to happen, but he's eligible to be traded. You have a Kong Wu. And if, if a Kong Wu is good the rest of the season, that's going to be an, a very, you know, flashing light kind of thing where the Hawks can go ahead if they want to, they don't have to, but they want to move off Capella. They can do that. They can trade bogey. They got to decide what to do with Gallo because it's either uh, you pay him $5 million to go away or you pay him $21 million to be on the roster and they have tax concerns, all that stuff. So, I mean, how does this affect the future in your mind? Granted that we don't know the rest of the season. Yeah, I guess it's going to depend on how they finish the year on what they do. Um, I'm really not sure. Cause like, here's the thing. I want to put even that off to the table. We can talk about the future on another day. Yeah. I want to talk about the right now. Let's do it. Why is DeAndre Hunter in this tier? <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I this know. This tier of supposedly, like. I know from your tweets that you're not high anymore. Onyeka <laughs> Kongu, uh, Kevin Herter, like. Do you, do you want me to give you the. He's the. He's the second oldest of these guys, but go ahead. Go ahead, Brad. He is. Uh, he's also basically the same age as Collins, which people always forget. He's a little bit older. Um, the practical reason is that they traded heaven and earth to get him. He was a top five pick, and they know that 
building around Trey Young, they have to have guys like DeAndre Hunter who can play defense on the perimeter. That's 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 yeah, the I mean, you know who also was played who before he got hurt was playing pretty good defense and was available at eight and ten. They didn't have to move up to get him. Nasir Little. I like I like Nas Little in that draft. You might uh, I was I was a pro I, I was, Little. Guy. I was right there with you. We were talking about it. We we're like, we yeah, man, I'm I'm Nas over it. We don't need to rehash old stuff, but like it's my okay. point is, there was a guy available. They didn't. We had to sell all. In. Now, granted, I don't think. I do think there are some extenuating circumstances with Hunter that have yes. capped him right now. He's been hurt. It's clearly stalled his development. What I don't understand is why the GM of this team has not signed anybody that can even replicate what he does on the ball as a defender. Like, I, like yeah, the, to me, the, I'm the like, closest analog is maybe DeLon. Like, DeLon's their best perimeter defender other than other than DeAndre, and they're not going to play him as, that much. They're just not. Like, he's going to be a 20-minute guy, which is fine. I don't know. I mean, they probably should think about playing DeLon right a little bit more. In uh, certain matchups, I, for sure. I mean, if you're playing against, against a team that has perimeter creation, I think you kind of have to play DeLon – as much as you can. And I get that he's not a great offensive player. And I, I do understand that, but he's DeAndre Hunter very, is well, that, <laughs> well, and that, that kind of gets into the, the, there's the Hunter thing. Noticed, no, I, I mean, am I the only one that's noticed that teams are putting their center on DeAndre Hunter? I, I've said this, I've said this a few times now too, but like the idea of DeAndre Hunter is currently better than what DeAndre Hunter is. And that that's okay. It, it doesn't doom you long-term, but DeAndre this year, um, other than three-point shooting, where he has shot well this year, and that's a p- kind of a pleasant thing. Like, he's a 40% for the, for the season. That's that's a good sign. Other than that, pretty much every other offensive situation for Hunter has been either middling or below middling, like in terms of his development. Um, you know, he's still a guy that I think is going to be a solid shooter, but his creation is not good. You pointed out the other day his assist rate is, like, bottom basement um, for a wing. And – yeah, I, I mean, think he, he, right. He's got a 20% usage and a 6% assist rate. It's so bad. Like, it's bad. One he's not a good pass. Every possession he's on the floor just ends with him shooting the basketball. And how I many, he, he's, it's not like he's a high volume three point shooter. So it's not, it's just not an efficient offense. No, and that's and what they have like, to figure out what, what he's going to be because there is the idea of him as like a number three, probably shot creator, or there's like the Dorian Finney Smith model for him where he just becomes a pure three and D player. And there is value in that. Like, obviously, um, I mean, he'd but, be a best basketball player today. If his uses dropped to 15% and like, he just uh, focused entirely on defense because Brad, the moments here, here's my frustrations. When he makes a mistake, like he's in his own, he, sometimes he won't get back on defense and it's like, you you're supposed to be the defender you shouldn't care about offense this much like he should like at this point in time right now for him for this team for the like supposedly everybody's gotta make sacrifices which apparently isn't true except for one basketball player only one basketball player on the team has to make sacrifices everybody else (laughs) can just do whatever the hell they want but like if you're going to be the the defender on this team you can't hang your head when you make a mistake or you miss a shot and not get back on defense. Like, he's also like, I don't know, his defense is also overrated. I don't want to get, I just don't want to get in the conversation with DeAndre Hunter again, because I feel like we've had this conversation. No, and it's, it's, it's fine, but like, it's, it's both that 
with the way the roster is constructed, he's so incredibly important because he's the he only because he's be the only point. guy. He's the only guy he that can do what he does. Be this important. There are basketball players on the street right now who can do what the Hawks need out of a wing player. And, and your point, your point earlier was right though, but because like if the only objective was to win a game tomorrow, you would want DeAndre Hunter to be a very low usage spot up guy. And that would be all he would do in offense. Like the long-term development. You know, these, they, these, these guys have feelings. I, I get it. Like, yeah. They, well, it was the same thing as Cam. I mean, this is, it's a little bit different than Cam for sure. A little bit different, but the thing about Cam that we talked about a, a lot, and it, I think it became very obviously true is that, Cam does not want to be a three and D guy. Cam wants to be an on-ball creator. And Hunter has less of that than Cam, but he still wants to take his 18-foot pull-up. Pull like he, he likes to do a little bit more on offense than that. And, you know, we'll see if, if that changes. We'll see where that ultimately lands. He's still a young guy who hasn't played a ton. I mean, for as, as not young as he is in terms of the prospect stuff, he's only played like, you know, two seasons worth of basketball or less because of the shortened stuff and the injuries. So I don't know what he's going to be. But you're you're 100 right that if it was just about right now, he does have too much usage. Like he he should be at the moment more of a just pure spot up guy. And we'll see if that's I mean, where he ends, if he ends up. But I, I guess that's just my overall thing with this team. It's like like we heard Herder name in the trade trade deadline last year. We heard Collins at the trade deadline every year, I guess, of his career because that's <laughs> yes. like just. Travis Slank just really wishes John Collins was a different basketball player. Even today, like, by the way, or the other day, uh, maybe this week, Mark Stein reported that they were uh, not talking about Collins anymore, but it was also like something like it was, quote, like tabled to the offseason. So it wasn't like we're not going to trade John Collins. It was like we'll, we'll come back to this in, in the summer. So he just he's just going to perpetually be on the market, it seems. I don't know. It's just embarrassing. Only, I know, I know like, you love that. Oh, by the way, speaking of Dorian Finney-Smith, he, he just signed an extension for four years, $52 million per Mark Stein as we're recording. So Better basketball player than DeAndre Hunter. Like, uh, right right now, close. today, that's right now, right now, right now today, that's probably close. true. I don't need, but Brad, if they want, if the team want to win a title, they don't need DeAndre Hunter to be this high usage guy. They just need him to do his job. I need <laughs> guys to come in like, like, just can I, we signed Solomon Hill and Tony Snell they weren't good, but they did their job last year. This That's year, Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter have taken usage and been bad on offense. And it's like, but that's just on offense. I mean, Cam was bad on defense, but it's like that, you know, basketball, it's a continuous sport. Like, if, you're, if your player's bad, bad offense leads to good, bad defense, like that, and that's just, so when DeAndre takes these bad shots, you know, the defense isn't set and then they get beaten transition. And it's just like this cycle of bad defense. And it's, and then Trey is like, all right, it's time for me to get it all back with one shot. And that's how they get in these holes. But like, they don't need another, like they don't need another perimeter crater alongside Trey Young. What they need is guys to finish plays. That's, that's my thing. I'm like, I don't, I don't need my, I don't need these dudes to have these 2k dribble packages i need you to make these <laughs> make these open corner three-pointers screen hard screen float to the perimeter if it's not there swing the ball to somebody else and keep the offense moving please like but i mean like i said these dudes got feelings and they want to show what they can do and the and Schlank seems committed to giving deandre hunter 20 million a season which would be 
I mean, I don't, I don't get it. We'll, we'll come back like, to that later on. I promise you. But uh, um, no, I, I think that's a decent little overview and that's, there's some frustration there. He's got to be better than this. And there's other guys that have to be better than this too. Uh, for fear of going too long, cause I'm going to get yelled at. Um, I want to make sure I ask you before we get out of here uh, where your level is post deadline in terms of like what happens this year, because at this very moment, the Hawks are in 10th, but they're only four and a half out of sixth. I say only that's, that's a, that's a pretty huge gap to overcome in 28 games, but it's still a manageable one. And Brooklyn and Charlotte just can't win anymore. Uh, but, but Boston's Boston's something they a gauntlet, like they're, they've won six in a row and they're like the best team in the league since January 1st. Um, and Toronto just beat the Hawks twice. They've won seven in a row. So like, it's a weird spot in the East, but like, do you think they're going to make the top seven or eight top six stay here? How's it How's the rest of this going to go? I have no idea. It depends on them. Like, are, are, are they going to, I mean, what does it say? They, they going to do their jobs, like play hard, <laughs> play consistently on defense, play the right way on offense, or, you know, are they, after one bad thing happens, are they going to like have these mental breakdowns, <clears throat> man, like those Raptors games, they hurt. They should have won both of those games. Like they, and uh, they didn't. Then they lose to the Mavericks in an embarrassing fashion on national TV. And it's like, I don't, like, I really don't care about this team right now. Like, I kind of don't want to watch them. I'm watching them out of obligation uh, because I'm invested, you know, you know, I'm so emotionally invested in this team. But it's like, they're not, it's not an exciting time to be a Hawks fan um, in large part. Cause like I said, like a lot of this stuff, like when DeAndre Hunter got hurt, they could have just signed somebody to replace his production, like to get that point, like or so. You do know, you want to? I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you want Wes Wundu for the open roster spot, man. Before you get out of here, I mean, yeah, sure. Just give me a give me somebody who can actually switch on the bigs, and you know, not get bowled over outside. You know, just somebody else who can do that outside of DeAndre Hunter, please. Who can also defend on the perimeter, and like at least I know a Wundu, he won't take. You know, has he pull up eighteen footers? He won't do that. That's true. He's got a mismatch. Um, Whatever. Uh, speaking of mismatches, by the way, that's a that's a whole other discussion we can have at a different point about how much they love those. But um, except for what John Collins has one, that's just the last thing we should say. They love mismatches well, until John has one, and then they don't give it to yeah, him. Yeah, then they they can't get him the ball. <laughs> I knew you. I knew you'd love that. Again, they, 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 this team, like they don't, they don't play the right way, man. They like. This is not this is not how they were playing last year. Like they just they have mentally like to me, I'm like uh, they got one too many guys who wants the ball in their hands. They just do. Like, and that's reality. And it's like they need to cut that down, but they seem to think it's John Collins who needs to cut down, even though you know that's that's fine. I mean, yeah, like I said, you know, he go, I go. This is this is a pro John Collins <laughs> podcast. Uh, I need the Hawks not to trade Collins so that you can do so you can still do the podcast. That's that's all I need is that. Uh, uh, man, I hope they trade him next offseason so that I can you can just log off. Stop first. watching. Yeah, I can stop watching NBA basketball. I got other things. Uh, <laughs> that's a good place to end the show. Uh, I do appreciate you jumping on on short notice here on a Thursday afternoon. So uh, you're a hero for that. Uh, anything to plug? You got any uh, new shows or anime to pass along? Nah, I, I mean, you can follow me on Jonesy2x4. I'm currently playing Sifu. Uh, the game's incredible. So if you got a PlayStation, uh, go ahead and get that. I think it's only like 40 bucks. 
it's a good game. It's fun. Kung there you Fu. Go. I uh, I got I got nothing, I got nothing for you on that in terms of analysis, but I, I, I believe you. I believe that's a good game, uh, and we'll do this again another time. I'm sure pretty soon. Got the uh, All Star break coming up. The Hawks have four games before that. They play. Uh, they'll be favored in at least two of the four, maybe three of the four. They play Boston on the road on Super Bowl Sunday on ABC. How about an ABC game on Sunday afternoon? Hawks ABC standalone. They're gonna they're gonna embarrass us again <laughs> on national TV, man. Oh, uh, you heard it here first. All right, Tyler. Well, thank you for doing this, man. I really do appreciate people should be following Tyler if he allows you to do so. Chosen Two X Four. Please subscribe to this podcast. Tyler will be back soon, I'm sure, and uh, we'll see you next time.